more is it the one who travels or the one who reads goes a popular turkish proverb and as we have already covered the vast benefits of reading last week we have decided to speak out in favor of travelers this time particularly at a time when travel is very much in our thoughts now that we are under lockdown Yes, travel is a big longing for all of us now. But just before the lockdown, many things poor tourists did were considered negative. This is why current traveler writers use words like traveler, wanderer, vagabond and the like. Everybody wants to travel, but no one wants to be known as a tourist. Why is it so, Nazlan? Mainly because the tourist is universally despised and the traveler is historically glorified. The first is a camera-clicking commoner, forever nagging. The other is an alluring stranger, a poet like Baudelaire, an adventurer like Gertrude Bell, with an open mind and delight in everything he or she sees. There are also national stereotypes. The most significant of these are Japanese taking pictures of literally everything. There are also noisy Chinese. And noisy Italians. Snobbish French who don't like anything. And the stingy Dutch who don't buy anything. Whereas the very same nationalities travelers are dashing. The tourists get sunburned, the travelers are permanently bronzed. The tourist is forever snapping photos and the traveler is taking it in. In fact, I am one of those who do not see any meaning in taking pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower, but glorify travel when it is about experiencing life as locals and discovering unique stories that can't be found in tourist manuals. And if you have friends there or stay more than a long weekend, it's easier to have a deeper experience of the country, right? rather than simply confirm the clichés in the guidebooks. Of course, you may try to blend in by not wearing sandals or by not taking photos of everything you see, but what I enjoy is really having local friends, spending time with them, discovering how they live, what they eat, especially at breakfast, what do they laugh at. It is certainly easier to go beyond the usual touristic experience with a local friend. In Israel, I once stayed with a friend who was very proud of her country. She also knew all about my interests, so she put together a program just for me. We visited the aqueducts built by the Ottoman Empire and the good examples of Bauhaus architecture around Tel Aviv. I would have probably seen some of them had I been alone, but Hagit, with her typical organizational skills, made it swifter and much nicer. <laughs> Hi, Hagit. <laughs> In the same way, it's also nice to travel with disciplined friends who take care of all the organization beforehand, from tickets to walking paths, from museums to what to eat. <laughs> I know whom you have in mind, our common friend. Barchun! <laughs> Hello, Barchun, if you are listening to this. Though we tease you, we love traveling with you. And my belated apologies from 10 years ago in Paris, when we left you, pretending that we were going to a museum you had already seen. We lied to you. We simply sat and drank wine in a cafe all day. Oh, we had a similar experience with Barchun in Southeast Asia. On the Bali leg of our tour, my Indonesian friends joined us. And since I hadn't seen them for quite a while, we sat up all night talking and woke up late. And this made Barchun very upset because it delayed our diving plans. But I was glad to travel with Barchun as we did everything we had to in Southeast Asia. 
Thanks to her, I became addicted to Thai massage. Well, there is always the option of traveling alone, which I actually prefer. This is mainly because most of my work-related travels was as part of a delegation, and I always felt that I did not have enough time to drift on my own and explore those cities. On the contrary, I was the aunt who was always traveling on her own, also due to work. But I must confess I don't prefer to travel alone anymore. I realize now, when I'm telling the travel stories to others, I have put myself in very dangerous situations. For example, I went to find a secret lagoon with people I didn't know while in Brazil, only to watch a film later in which a Brazilian guide helps steal tourists' internal organs. And I barely escaped from the hands of a timeshare mafia in Mexico. And I almost got kidnapped at the exit of the Dakar airport. I'm not even talking about how I drove miles on the Kyrgyz mountains in an old jeep with blaring Russian underground music driven by an ex-Russian commando with scary tattoos on his arms. <laughs> See, traveling alone enables you to tell such juicy stories upon return. And this brings me to another point. Paul Thoreau said that travel was glamorous only in retrospect. Unlike you, however, he made a lot of money out of his adventures in shady places. I love his books and films made from them. <laughs> you know, I spent almost a month wandering in Latin America and have been to many places, mingled with locals and actually stayed with a Mexican family in Mexico, but still learned much more about Latin America in one documentary. This documentary explained how Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar's men were continuing to earn money after their leader's death by organizing Escobar tours in which they showed people where Escobar lived and killed people, and they also staged man-shooting shows. In other words, they became social media icons after they served their sentences in prison. This is certainly an improvement over Al Capone tours organized by ordinary guides in Chicago, where all you see are a few bootlegged bars. But you're right in saying that travel programs and books show us another aspect of a country. And sometimes that is simply not possible to revisit because it's the knowledge and the imagination of the writer combined with the spirit of the moment. I have visited Bodrum many times, but I doubt that I ever recapture the spirit in Turkish author Selim Ileri's Bodrum every night, or that of the mythology writer Azra Erhat. And certainly not that of Herodotus and Homer. But aren't we lucky to be living in the area that has been the subject of many travel books? Many travelers passed through our Aegean coast since ancient Greeks from Evliya Çelebi, the Ottoman traveler of the 17th century, to French author Pierre Lotti, as well as Marco Polo. And more people are still coming. I live in a very touristic place now, and just a few kilometers away is Alacatı, an ancient Greek fishing town which has become fashionable over the last two decades. I can't bear the place in summer. There are such huge crowds. <laughs> Please don't hashtag Çeşme or Alacatı. <laughs> Hashtaggers are the worst modern interpretation of Thoreau. They think that the only glamorous thing about travel is posting photos. The hashtag tourism, or some call it Instagram tourism, is a category that I'm not fond of. Whether we like it or not, it seems to be the spirit of the time. As soon as a city becomes a hashtag, people just have to go there and get the banner. Remember the Turkish town of Sparta, known for its roses and how it became popular recently? Don't I? 
Two years ago, there was not a single person on Instagram who had not posed lying in rose petals in some imitation of the American beauty poster. I was almost happy when the pandemic put an end to those silly photos. <laughs> I fear there's no way omitting them. On the contrary, it's the tourism ministries nowadays that take influencers to those hotspots and ask them to take those photos and use the hashtag. I know. The Egyptian government spent millions inviting Instagram influencers to Egypt so they could post photos of the pyramids, which were cleaned and restored recently. The photo that got the most clicks was by a Danish photographer who illegally got on the Cheops pyramid at dawn and took naked photos of himself and his girlfriend. He is currently banned from entering Egypt ever again, but his photo is all around internet. <laughs> I like travel photography when it is done professionally. For example, I follow some travel photo accounts on Instagram. However, I have concerns about people who travel to take photos of themselves in front of Pisa Tower or Colosseum. I feel like they are traveling for that purpose only. I must say that my best moments while traveling were not photographed because I was too happy with what I was doing and didn't think of taking pictures. I'm like you. I have so few photos of my travels. And I regret that because some of the monuments no longer exist. And actually, sometimes the friends you travel with. So maybe we shouldn't be that harsh on photography. But going back to Turkey's hotspots, Sparta and other Turkish cities became famous because since 2017, the Turkish lira lost a lot of value against the dollar and people turned to domestic travel. So suddenly it's Pergamon instead of Prague, Mardin instead of Madrid, and Istanbul's Galata district instead of Paris Mare. But of course, we are talking of middle class here. For at least half of the population, a vacation is either at home or at the home of their relatives. Many Turks consider themselves lucky if they can take their kids to a seaside town for a week during the summer. And to be fair, not everyone is dying for adventure or yearn for foreign food. This, of course, makes me think of how the tourism sector on the Mediterranean coast complain about what they call cheap British tourists who buy all-inclusive tour packages in five-star hotels and spend their time just eating and drinking without going out. <laughs> and there are those Turkish tourists who carry their canned food and biscuits with them. When you were living abroad, didn't you get the old Turkish visitor who asked you where he could find a Turkish restaurant? Yes, there are those strange Turks who look for Turkish restaurants abroad. I was amazed each time I encountered those who are in a gastronomic capital and still want their own food. I told them they could go to any Greek restaurant in Paris, as these were often run by Turks. <laughs> like many Italian pizza houses in London. But in my opinion, different food is certainly one of the best aspects of traveling. I can even say that I travel mostly to try different cuisines. Have you ever felt changed or inspired during a journey? Yes. With every travel, I was amazed how similar all communities were and how unique each community was. In a way, you learn about yourself more and you learn to appreciate others. You start to see the world with new eyes. As your perspective opens up, you can never go back to your old narrow viewpoint. Particularly if this was a journey of self-discovery, such as searching your roots in another city or a country. Actually, whatever your experience is, 
whether you are looking for some adrenaline or even just want your picture in a certain place, you come out of that experience as a different person. And it is amazing how some tours are accommodating that. Have you heard about celeb for a day? No. In this tour, you are treated as a celebrity for a day with paparazzi, limos and bodyguards. If you pay a bit more, you can get a few cheerers as well. Ah, so the way everyone gets their 15 minutes of fame is by paying for it. I wonder what the future of travel will be once the pandemic measures start to relax. Well, according to my dear friend Aigun, who spent her life in the sector, some of the trends that already have started will accelerate. For example, individual travel will replace mass tourism, mainly because this is also the preference of the Generation Z and Millennials. And to be photographed in a certain place will be more important than to be in that place. If that is the case, why bother traveling? There are so many applications and Facebook backdrops that can show you anywhere and everywhere, including on Mars. (laughs) Hopefully the pandemic, even after it is over, will change some things in future travels. Maybe people will put more meaning into their travels and be more selective. Let me reciprocate with another question. Do you think it would put an end to travel obsession? I hope so. Few people are more boring than those who talk of nothing but their past and future trips. Oh, except for those who show their photos at the same time. (laughs) What a thing to say after a podcast where we discuss our travels. Did this podcast change your thoughts on traveling? Not at all. If I had to choose between true love or traveling the world, I would start with India. Bon voyage. Eat, pray and love, dear. 